Trust me, Wilbur. People are very gullible. They'll believe anything they see in print. E.B. White, Charlotte's Web. Welcome to Consensus Reality, a podcast where we examine the strange and unusual with common sense. My name is Alec Christopher, and I am your host. Did you know there is a very dangerous substance being used all around us in industry, government, and even private homes? It's called dihydrogen monoxide, or DHMO, and it is used as an industrial solvent and coolant in nuclear power plants for torture and even as a major ingredient in homemade bombs, among other things. Some of the effects and perils of DHMO are the following. Deaths due to inhalation, corrosion and oxidation of various metals, contributions to soil erosion, and prolonged exposure to the solid form of DHMO even frequently causes tissue damage. Obviously, this is a highly dangerous and toxic substance not fit to be accessed by the general public. However, it is regularly used and consumed almost every day. It is used as an additive to food products, including baby food, in beer and coffee, in shampoo and shaving creams, and various other personal grooming products, and even in medicine. Most shockingly of all, DHMO has been known to come out of our taps, straight into our homes. As you might have guessed, or probably already knew from the beginning, dihydrogen monoxide is in fact a little-used chemical name for water. This is an exercise often used to illustrate scientific illiteracy, gullibility, and the need for critical thinking. However, the dihydrogen monoxide hoax is only one of such fabrications created throughout history. Countless hoaxes have pulled the wool over the unsuspecting public's eyes and many in history have made the creation and propagation of hoaxes their life's work. One such man was P.T. Barnum, the American showman. He is associated with such famous hoaxes as the Fiji Mermaid and the famed Cardiff Giant. The Cardiff Giant was one of the most famous hoaxes in American history. It was a ten-foot-tall supposed petrified man uncovered on October 16th 1869, by workers digging a well in Cardiff, New York. The original giant was the creation of a New Yorker named George Hull, who decided to create it after an argument about Genesis 6-4, which stated that there were giants who once lived on the earth, known as Nephilim. Hull hired men in Iowa to carve out a ten-foot block of gypsum, telling them it was intended for a monument to Abraham Lincoln in New York. He then had the block shipped to Chicago, where he hired Edward Burghardt, a German stonecutter, to carve it into the likeness of a man and swore him to secrecy. Various stains and acids were used to make the giant appear to be old and weathered, and the giant's surface was even beaten with steel knitting needles embedded in a board to simulate pores. During November 1868, 
Hull transported the giant by railroad to the farm of his cousin. By then, he had spent 2,600 U.S. dollars for the hoax, nearly $46,000 in today's money. Nearly a year later, men were hired to dig a well, and on October 16, 1869, they finally found the giant. Eventually, Hull sold the giant to a group of five men headed by David Hannum. They moved it to Syracuse, New York for exhibition. The giant drew such crowds that showman P.T. Barnum offered $50,000 for the giant. When the syndicate refused, he hired a man to model the giant's shape covertly in wax and create a plaster replica. He displayed his giant in New York, claiming that his was the real giant and that the Cardiff giant was a fake. A little over 30 years before the Cardiff giant, there was another famous American hoax. The Great Moon Hoax refers to a series of articles that were published in The Sun, a New York newspaper, in 1835 about the supposed discovery of life and even civilization on the moon. The discoveries were falsely attributed to Sir John Herschel, one of the best-known astronomers of that time. The first in a series of six articles was published on August 25th. The articles described fantastic animals on the moon, including bison, goats, unicorns, bipedal tailless beavers, and bat-legged winged humids called Verspatilio homo, who built structures. There were trees, oceans, and beaches. These discoveries were supposedly made with an immense telescope of an entirely new principle. The author of the narrative was supposedly Dr. Andrew Grant, the traveling companion of Sir John Herschel, but Grant was a fictitious character. Towards the end of the series, the authors announced that the observations had been ended by the destruction of the telescope, by means of the sun causing the lens to act as a burning glass, setting fire to the observatory. The sun's circulation increased because of the hoax, and remained permanently greater than before, establishing the sun as a successful paper. However, the degree to which the hoax increased the paper's circulation has been exaggerated in popular accounts of the event. It was not discovered to be a hoax for several weeks after its publication, and even then, the newspaper did not issue a retraction. Herschel was initially amused by the hoax, noting that his own real observations could never be as exciting. He became annoyed later when he had to answer questions from people who believed the hoax was serious. Over a hundred years after the Great Moon Hoax, another literary hoax came to light. The Sokol Affair was a scholarly publishing hoax created by Alan Sokol, a physics professor at New York University and University College London. In 1996, Sokol submitted an article to Social Text, an academic journal of postmodern cultural studies. The submission was an experiment to test the journal's intellectual rigor and to investigate whether a leading North American journal of cultural studies would publish an article liberally salted with nonsense if a. it sounded good, and b. it flattered the editor's ideological preconceptions, according to Sokol. The article, Transgressing the Boundaries Towards a Transformative Hermeneutics of Quantum Gravity, was published in the spring-summer 1996 issue. It proposed that quantum gravity is a social and linguistic construct, 
The journal did not practice academic peer review, and it did not submit the article for outside expert review by a physicist. In another article published in the journal Lingua Franca, revealed that transgressing the boundaries was a hoax, and concluded that Social Text felt comfortable publishing an article on quantum physics without bothering to consult anyone knowledgeable in the subject because of its ideological proclivities and editorial bias. The Social Text editors said in a published essay that they had requested editorial changes that Sokol refused to make and had had concerns about the quality of the writing. Nonetheless, despite subsequently designating the physicist as having been a difficult, uncooperative author, Social Text published the article. The hoax sparked a debate about the scholarly merit of commentary about the physical science by those in the humanities. Academic ethics, including whether Sokol was wrong to deceive the editors and readers of social text, and whether social text had exercised appropriate intellectual rigor. Before the Sokol affair, there was Naked Came the Stranger, a 1969 novel and literary hoax, poking fun at the American literary culture of its time. Though credited to Penelope Ash, it was in fact written by a group of 24 journalists, led by Newsday columnist Mike McGrady. Mike McGrady believed that popular American literature had become so crude that any book could succeed if enough sex was thrown in. To test his theory, in 1966, McGrady recruited a team of colleagues to collaborate on a sexually explicit novel with no literary or social value whatsoever. The group wrote the book to be as inconsistent and confusing as possible, with each chapter written by a different author. Some of the chapters even had to be heavily edited because they were originally too well written. The book was submitted for publication under the pseudonym Penelope Ash, who was portrayed by Billy Young, McGrady's own sister-in-law, for photographs and meetings with publishers. The publisher, Lyle Stewart, was an independent publisher known for their controversial books, many with sexual content. Unfortunately, the book fulfilled McGrady's expectations, and sales soon reached 20,000 copies when the co-authors decided to go public in August 1969. This further spurred the book's popularity, causing it to sell 90,000 copies in all. In another case of a person pretending to be someone they're not, Lauren Stratford was an American woman whose horrific stories of her own satanic ritual abuse were published in a series of books. Stratford wrote three books, the most famous of which was Satan's Underground, claiming to tell a true story of her adolescence as a baby reader for sacrifices in a satanic cult. Stratford also claimed to have first-hand knowledge of high-profile cases of alleged satanic ritual abuse and was even briefly involved in the McMartin preschool trial, claiming to have witnessed the abuses and to have been involved in an ongoing lesbian relationship with Virginia McMartin. An investigation in the Christian magazine Cornerstone discovered Stratford's background and that her stories of abuse were false. However, she attracted the attention and sympathy of evangelical author Johanna Michelson, one of the most influential promoters of the satanic moral panic going on at the time. 
While living with Michelson, Stratford claimed to have given birth to three children. Two were allegedly killed in snuff films, and the third was supposedly sacrificed in front of her during a satanic ritual. However, Cornerstone found no evidence that she had ever been pregnant or even adopted a child. Things discovered about Stratford's real past included that her birth name was Laurel Wilson, that she was a gifted musician from a young age, playing the piano, clarinet, and flute, that she worked as a music teacher after college, that she later lived in Bakersville, California for a few years, where she became known within evangelical Christian communities as a vocalist and pianist. After her books were withdrawn from sale by her publishers, Stratford legally changed her name to Lauren Stratford. She would create another false identity in 1999 with an equally horrific story to tell. Now calling herself Laura Grabowski, she claimed to be a Jewish survivor of Auschwitz-Birkenau and she collected thousands of dollars in donations intended for Holocaust survivors. As Grabowski, Stratford befriended a man named Benjamin Wilkomirski, claiming to remember him from the camps. Wilko Mirsky himself, real name Bruno Grosjean, was later revealed to be neither Jewish nor a Holocaust survival, which led to the discovery of Stratford, again, as a fraud. And finally, just for fun, let's take a look at the case of the alien autopsy. The footage known as the alien autopsy is a 17-minute film supposedly showing a medical examination or autopsy released in 1995 by Ray Santilli. He presented it as an authentic autopsy on the body of an extraterrestrial being recovered from the famous 1947 crash near Roswell, New Mexico. The film footage was supposedly given to him by a retired military cameraman who wished to remain anonymous. Fox Television broadcast the footage in the United States on August 28, 1995, under the title Alien Autopsy, Fact or Fiction. The Fox program featured numerous well-known figures, both in front of and behind the camera. Interviews with experts on the authenticity of the film included an Oscar-winning special effects makeup artist, a cinematographer, and a noted forensic pathologist, who considered the autopsy procedures in the film to be authentic, but stopped short of declaring the being an alien. On April 4, 2006, over 10 years later, a documentary was broadcast where Ray Santilli and fellow producer Gary Shufield finally admitted that their film was not authentic, stating, however, that it was actually a reconstruction containing only, in their words, a few frames from the original 22 rolls of film that Santilli had really viewed in 1992. They explained that, when they purchased the original, only a few frames were still intact. The rest have degraded beyond the point of usability. Which frames exactly were the originals has never been disclosed. According to Santilli, a set was constructed in the living room of an empty flat in London, John Humphreys, an artist and sculptor, was employed to construct two dummy alien bodies over a period of three weeks, using casts containing sheep brains set in raspberry jam, chicken entrails, and knuckle joints. 
The question of why people create hoaxes is one long asked by the psychology community. We believe hoaxes are created for a variety of reasons, including, but not limited to, 1. Attention. This is an obvious one. There are people out there who only desire to be noticed, but unfortunately, many go about it in all the wrong ways, such as Lawrence Stratford. 2. Money. As you may have noticed, many of the perpetrators of the hoaxes mentioned before made a killing from selling books, displaying or selling their hoax to others, raising money, etc. 3. Used as bait to fool people and discredit them. This is most obviously seen in the Sokol affair. The perpetrator targeted a specific magazine he disliked and constructed a hoax that went on to severely damage its reputation. 4. To highlight people's beliefs, prejudices, and gullibility, as seen in Naked Came the Stranger. The authors wished to show the public's true interests and wrote the book to poke fun at and expose this. 5. Finally, it can just be plain fun. Many of the internet hoaxes you see out there nowadays are started by people who find it funny when they fool people. Sometimes, this can be malicious, such as the spreading of a recipe to create crystals that involved mixing bleach and ammonia, as well as harmless fun, like the dihydrogen monoxide hoax I used at the beginning of this episode. Now, with a bit of common sense, one can often avoid being fooled by hoaxes in the modern age. An incredibly vast amount of data and information and knowledge is at the tips of our fingers almost at all times. In an age of fake news and alternative facts, please just remember, do your own research, have some common sense, and above all, think critically. My name is Alec Christopher, and this has been Consensus Reality. Thank you for listening.